Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm very glad you're with us today. The broad field, broad field of afterlife education and also the field of education in spiritually transformative experiences or as we call them STEs includes a number of remarkable people who have devoted their lives to trying to ever better understand the whole non-material world around us which actually is most of reality and then helping everybody else to ever better understand the much greater reality that we inhabit. And that reality is, you know, no less real, despite the fact that we just can't see it. One such devoted scholar of spiritually transformative experiences is John R. Adet, and he's our guest today. This is actually John's third Seek Reality appearance, although his first two times with us were in Seek Reality's very first year, and now we're celebrating our 10th year. John's career history has been in medical and hospice administration, which is where he first met people like Dr. Raymond Moody, and he met Dr. Moody before Dr. Moody wrote Life After Life. John also met sainted pioneers in this field like Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. John is a principal founder as well of the International Association for Near-Death Studies, or IANS. His name is a native of South Florida, where he still resides, and his professional career has spanned over three decades of senior executive positions in hospitals and hospitals. Say that again, Sam, in hospice administration, in physician practice management, as well as in performing arts and in public broadcasting and in a number of fields. He's kind of worked in a lot of areas. He originally earned a BA degree in history and sociology from Augusta College. He's got an MS degree in sociology from Virginia Tech. More recently, John has con- contributed chapters about spiritually transformative experiences and in non-local consciousness to several scholarly books. He now serves as president and CEO of Eternia Incorporated, and he co-founded that with Dr. Evan Alexander and then the, with the late Dr. Edgar Mitchell. And of course, he's the Apollo 14 astronaut. He's famous. He's the sixth man who walked on the moon. John is a veteran with more than three years of active duty service in the U.S. Army during the Vietnam era. When I read about that, I thought, oh, wait, maybe he knew my husband in Vietnam. My husband was in Vietnam and he served there. It turned out, of course, that our guest today never actually served there. My husband, you know, you think he probably was a grunt, right? He carried a gun. Oh, no. He actually, he tooled around Vietnam with, with, a, with a chauffeur. He was a pathologist there. But, uh, you know, it's a good story, though. My husband was in Vietnam. He never actually carried a gun. Oh, but that's another story. Um, John Audet, he, he, he's got actually a wonderful story. I read his whole book because I was fascinated by it. He repeatedly he repeatedly had these fascinating things happen to him, which were spiritually transformative experiences of one kind or another. And they, they, they just carried him through his whole life. And we'll talk about a lot of them, them today. Although, um, I, as I, you'll understand this if you ever read his book. One of the things, John, I'm never going to do in your entire life. I'm sorry. I will hitchhike before I ever get in a car that you are driving. <laughs> <laughs> but that's another story. He wrote a wonderful book called Loved by the Light, True Stories of Divine Intervention and Providence, and it's now available on Amazon. John, welcome. It's great to have you back after all this time. Oh, Roberta, thank you so much for having me. It's my great pleasure. Um, and you're safe riding in the car with me. I, um, <laughs> I don't think I'm ever safe riding in a car with you. I have angel protection, you see. <laughs> So we're good. Yes, we're good. Every single time. I mean, the, the, some of these stories are unbelievable. And repeatedly, he had horrible car accidents because he fell asleep at the wheel. But there was always a, an angel that was right there. 
including yes. like a 17 times the car rolled over and nobody was hurt. But, you know, there won't always be an angel just in time. And I'm not going to test that theory that there'll always be an angel there. John. So sorry, I'm never getting in a car with you. <laughs> well, I understand completely. But I will tell you that uh, I believe we're all surrounded by angels. Now, you know, I'm evidence-based and data-driven in my positions uh, like you and the title of your show. I'm only interested in truth. I, I'm a truth seeker and a seeker of, of reality as it truly is. So I look at data. So just the other day, uh, April 10, about 5.23 in the afternoon, um, I in my neighborhood here in Boca Raton, South Florida, I was walking my little dog. We had a blustery day, uh, wind gusts of up to 40 miles an hour and sporadic rain, heavy rain. And I was standing beneath a Jamaican palm. Uh, these Jamaican palms go way up. They're pretty tall and they're always loaded with coconuts. And I'm just having a fine old time enjoying the beauty and watching my dog do his thing. And all of a sudden I get this loud commanding voice in my head, you know, a thought. It wasn't a spoken word. It was a thought. And it was actually my own voice, but it, it was not my thought. And the, and the command was move with an exclamation point, move, move now. So I quickly moved, uh, and a huge coconut fell from the tree, which would have hit me on the head and done all kinds of damage, I'm sure. And then right after it fell, there were a whole bunch of other coconuts that fell and they all miss me, of course. But I'm, I'm beginning to believe from data, uh, from evidence like that that we are somehow monitored by the unseen uh, 24-7, 365. They're just attuned to us. How, how they know that the coconut's getting ready to fall from the tree, the split second before it does, is beyond my ability to understand. But I took photographs of the coconuts and the tree right after the fact, and um, uh, it's just another example of the kind of miracles that happen every day. Well, in in my life, when those things happen, it's always my spirit guide. Um, he 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 does he does that sort of thing uh, all the time. He tells me this or tells me that. Um, so I my hunch is it's your spirit guide. If you're you you may not you may not be in contact with him vocally, but um, but he's he's taking care of you, John. Yes, well, spirit guide, angel, uh, yeah. I, terms uh, escape us. You know, definitions escape us. Yeah. But but uh, let's just say the loving, caring, compassionate, highly attentive, attuned, uh, unseen divine beings that uh, are here to protect and assist. I think that's true for all of us. Oh, um, 100%. 100%. So. Exactly. Talk about I mean, what I think is fascinating about because you and I you're a little bit younger than me but not much talk about your life and and how you from the time you were very small and this is really an autobiography that that's really what this is um a spiritual autobiography talk about your life well my life is is uh very interesting but I didn't think it was that interesting until you know Ken Ring Dr. Ken Ring uh, who's my partner in the forming of uh, IANS uh, and has written many books on near-death experiences and other uh, interesting subjects, Ken actually encouraged me to write this book because of one of the angel stories I had told him years and years ago. He asked me to write up that story because he wanted to hear it again. So I did. And he said, well, uh, you should publish this. I said, well, Ken, it wasn't just that one story, there were seven other angel stories. He said, well, write them up, please. So I did. And he said, oh, my gosh, this was compulsively readable. I am just fascinated. These stories go back to the age of eight years old in 1960, growing up in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, but they actually, in truth, go back to the womb. Um, and so Ken said, well, John, I, th I think you really need to write a book. I said, well, you know, Ken, it wasn't just these um 
eight angel experiences. It was also a whole bunch of other things, including a magical vision quest, a incredible synchronicities, things I saw during my hospice work, uh, nearing death awareness and deathbed visions and observations, um, after death communication, and shared death experience, and so many other things that speak to the same basic conclusion. He said, well, write those up. So I did. So I had part one and part two of the book, which is, well, it's autobiographical uh, to a degree in that I have to uh, share various episodes in my life in order to provide the context for the exceptional experience that occurred, uh, but not a true autobiography in that um, there's a lot, a lot of stuff that is just isn't isn't in this book. The book, Love by the Light, really is my spiritual journey, um, really starting from the womb um, all the way uh, to, well, late in adult life. And um, I, I will say that I've always felt from the time I was a young boy, I always felt connected to something greater than myself. Um, my father was a devout Catholic, and so I was raised Catholic. Uh, but the Catholic Church and I really didn't get along well. Um, and I explain this in the book. I, I won't get into it here, but I, I would just say that I left the Catholic faith at age 18 and sort of became an agnostic soon after because, I mean, I related to God as a concept, as an ab abstract thing, but uh, organized religion, not just the Catholic faith, but other faiths too, just sort of put distance between myself and God. Um, to me, God is experiential, not mechanical. And it wasn't until after I met Raymond uh, in 1974 and got involved in his research, which led to the publication of Life After Life. I'm talking, of course, about Dr. Raymond Moody, written many, many books on these subjects. Um, it wasn't until then, until I met some of the folks that he included in his research, that I began to look at this scientifically, academically. Uh, I took an intellectual scholarly approach to it, and I still have that same uh, disposition. So when I put this book together, parts one and two, Ken said, you've got a book, you've got a book. And I said, well, I never really intended to write a book because these are really personal, private stories, and I'm a private person. He said, no, you've got to publish it. I said, well, you can't publish it without doing a part three, which is, what does all this mean? What, what, what is, what's the significance of all this? Not just in my life, but um, in, um, in regards to all of humanity. How can we collectively learn from uh, these experiences to try to get on a, a better compass heading for a, a better future. So I'm grateful for all that happened to me because it certainly brought me from being agnostic and um, distant from spirit to feeling a very strong, powerful connection every moment of every day to the point where I hear this voice in my head, my own voice, but not my own thought, telling me to move. Um, ordering me to move immediately, and I obeyed, and um, and it uh, saved me from from further harm by the coconut. A good hard bonk on the head, that's for sure. Yeah, no, oh, but that that's true. My contention is that everybody lives that life. I mean, maybe not to the extreme that that you have. I mean. You, some of the, um, not everybody falls asleep at the wheel almost every time they get behind the wheel of a car, which you seem to. Um, I, 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 as I say, I'm never going to get in the car with you, John. I'm so sorry, but I would hitchhike. I think I would hitchhike rather than get behind the, car, the wheel of a car with you. But, um, but I think that, that we are all, we are all, on these spiritual voyages, I hear from people all the time because I invite emails whenever I, at the end of of, of this um, episode, I will say, you know, send me an email. This is how to do it. And so I hear from a lot of people and they all, they're all private people and they all open their hearts to me. 
and and they're they're all living these spiritual internal lives it is so astonishing john that they do that they are really all living these internal lives that are much more spiritual than you and i even realize yes and, and that's you know, don't you find that's true as well because they must speak that way to you as well of course you know, i make the point in the book uh, time and again that we're all loved by the light um that uh, everything is a miracle we're we're living miracles and we're surrounded by miracles each moment of each day. People may not recognize it uh, in everyday life, everyday consciousness, but angels are ever-present. Spirit, spirit is ever-present. And they're attuned. They're paying attention. And they do reach out to us in ways that we can recognize uh, and appreciate, and in, probably in a lot more ways that we don't uh, perceive or not aware of. Uh, so even though we may not uh, define uh, the good fortune that we have as a miracle or as an angel uh, intervention or as divine providence, that's exactly what it is. The fact that uh, you and I are having this conversation is miraculous. So I, the book really does try to encourage people to open up to the fact that, that we are living miracles and uh, uh, our everyday lives, uh, if nothing else, would be a big uh, demonstration of an ongoing eternal miracle. It doesn't end when life ends in, the, in this physical body. It continues for all eternity. So, yes, it's, it, yes I've had uh, a wide array of exceptional experiences, but I'm sure most people have had unusual experiences of one kind or another, whether they can recognize it as such or not. But it, it goes without saying that, um, you know, that, that this is evidence to me anyway of, of God's existence. And it's partly why I wrote the book to, to try to convince people that God is real and so too is the afterlife. And that um, there's a lot more to reality than what meets the eye. And and many people um, don't want to recognize um, supernatural experiences, but it's okay to recognize them. Um, it's okay to accept them. They're not scary. They don't. They shouldn't be scary. One part of the problem is that religions really are not. Maybe um, maybe it, maybe it's okay to accept the fact that that. Religions are not of God. Religions are really human made. They all are. Yes. Um, they're yeah. they're not they they are of man. They're not of God. Um and they are they are consciousness is not consciousness of is of God. But people have not known what what it was. I mean, one of the things I, I loved about your book is that you freely talk about consciousness as what it is which is a which is basically it's god it's 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 something we are just now discovering and you encourage science to accept that which science refuses to do it's still spending trying to spend a billion dollars trying to find a source of consciousness inside the human brain which is like trying to find you know, taking apart a radio, trying to find the source of Frank Sinatra's voice, which is the height of nonsense. Well, um, yes, that's why Max Planck said when he had his own spiritual awakening, it's why he pointed out that science advances one funeral at a time. We've and, had many too many funerals, though, for, for that <laughs> effort to have turned out to be operative. Poor, poor Dr. Planck. He never... Never got to see that absolutely play out in life, did he? Uh, no, and nor did Einstein. But they were, you know, they started out as materialists. Uh, very, the brilliant scientists, perhaps some of the most brilliant minds. Yes, were, they were. They were way ahead of their time. And, you know, toward the end of their careers, uh, after they had peered as deeply as one can into the mystery of creation, uh, they came away more as spiritual mystics than mechanical uh, materialist scientists. And uh, I, to the point where Einstein said, you know, 
either everything is a miracle or nothing is. He he got it. And he started, <laughs> I love that. Right. Exactly. He, he started to explore the whole notion that consciousness is somehow a, a, a central causal factor um, right. in creation. He was really close to solving his uh, theory of everything. He wanted a, a bridge, a, an empirical bridge that could unite um, general relativity with quantum mechanics. And uh, he was close to it with his uh, pioneering work in consciousness. But he left us in the early 50s and um, before he really got a chance to um, to go very far with that line of reasoning. But I, I certainly do believe that, that that consciousness is the nexus between um, quantum mechanics and um, general relativity. And yeah, you're, so. you're totally right. You, of course, you're right. Yeah. And, and, and um, uh, we, we are, uh, um, Craig Hogan and I are on a parallel track with you and Eternia, um, but we're going at about it differently because we, it's an unfortunate statistic that somewhere between 80 and 90% of the people in the world are terrified of death. Um, that's whenever the surveys are done worldwide, that's where the, where it lands. So, um, we founded seekreality.com and, uh, where all of the evidence that he and I, in our combined 80% of rather 80, 80 years of research have discovered of, and most of this, actually, most of the evidence is more than a century old. It's kind of, it went, came through the great deep transmediums of the early part of the 20th century. Um, we've, we've gathered it all in one place and it's at seekreality.com and um, we put it there. And so our focus is on proving to the world uh, that the afterlife exists and giving as much detail as possible to the world that, that the afterlife exists. Because once we have proven to as many people as possible, we think it'll be about 10%, maybe 15% of the world. Uh, once that many people are convinced that that um, human life is eternal, we will have raised the consciousness because there's only one one of us here, as we know, uh, we're all part of the same consciousness. Um, once once we've convinced that many people that lives really are eternal, we will have raised the consciousness of the planet enough, we think, to, oh have, to have changed the consciousness of the planet enough, to have reduced the negativity of the world enough, to have transformed the world enough, to have alleviated suffering enough, to have transformed the entire world. We think that's possible. It won't happen in our lifetime, but perhaps it will happen in our children or grandchildren's lifetime. That's our hope. That's where we're hoping to go with this. Yes, yes, and we, we certainly are on the same team, pulling in the same direction, you know, for the same reason and purpose. And that's really what it all comes down to. Um, you know, the central task before us is um uh, it's a central issue does god exist and yes. so is so what is god and is there life after death and if so what does that mean what is that all about so this is what you your work is all about at, at seek reality it's what my work is all about at eternia.org and this is the challenge before us it is the way to light the candle during this time of prevalent dominant darkness that is um, extremely troublesome. So it's really the only task before us that makes any sense to uh, to help people come to the realization that God is real and that so is the afterlife. Um, and I agree with what you said earlier about uh, religion inventing God um, in their from their own but it, but, they, but they invented false gods. There is a genuine God, and that genuine God is the highest aspect of consciousness. Consciousness yes. being all that exists. Exactly right. Basically, yes. you, we are we you have you have achieved identical conclusions to the ones we've achieved. Wow. I mean, that oh. but the, the, but the whole point is there is only one truth, and and yes. coming from 
different directions. We've we've achieved it precisely. That that's what's exciting about well, this. There's just, only one that, truth, and no matter which direction you come from, you get to the same place. Yeah, well, that's just an affirmation that we're dealing with truth. You know, Elizabeth Cooper Ross, who was a mentor. I loved her dearly, dearly. And you she, were so lucky to know all these people. I'm, I, I'd never get jealous because that's not a, that's a negative vibration. But if I were going to be jealous, I would be jealous of you, my dear. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, they were all um, wonderful mentors and um, they impacted my life greatly. I'm sure. Elizabeth used to say regarding God, she would say, well, Many mountaintops, but they all point to one sky. And That's so true. What a beautiful she, thing to yeah. say. And she she would say, <clears throat> you know, always better to light the candle than curse the darkness. And um, she that's what she did all her life. She went around lighting candles. And um, so having her influence and Raymond's influence, it brought me to the realization that we have only two ways to interpret reality two ways to live our lives. One is, is would be to believe that everything we do, everything we say, everything we think, um, every action has transcendent meaning and transcendent consequences. And yes. the, the other way is to uh, believe that nothing does, that, that this lifetime is all there is. Um, and uh, when we die, it's uh, nothingness. We're we're reduced to nothing, in nothingness. And of course, you know, I uh, believe that everything we do has meaning and purpose and <clears throat> transcendent implications. Um, For so, good or ill. So let's uh, be on the side of the good. Yeah. And so you know, to me, it all comes down to. Um, recognizing that we the same God who made me made you and all other living things. So it sort of makes, as you say, there's only one of us here. We're, we're all kin. And um, it also made me realize that, you know, what I do to others, I do to myself ultimately. So, and I, I, you know, Christ is my hero. He, Christ showed us the way he showed us the, the truth that will set us free. Um, and it all has to do with, and it revolves around loving one another as God loves us. Uh, that's what I have learned in my 48 years of work in this field. And it really goes back to uh, throughout, throughout history, many of the great sages and avatars gave us the same truth, the same insight. And, um, you know, Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson were uh, uh, also... Uh, proponents of of Christ, I, I guess I would say the essential teachings of Christ. Um, in fact, there's a book called the Jefferson Bible, which yes, well, th Thomas Jefferson was was a, uh, really the, a great proponent of the teachings of Jesus, just the teachings of Jesus. Yes, yes, and, he uh, was. He, 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 he Go ahead. Yes, it, in in four languages: French, English, Greek, and Latin. And he 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 cut up uh, several Bibles in those languages, and he pasted them into a copy book. That's that's the joke. He never intended to be published. It was how he studied the Gospels. Correct. He, he it was his own personal Bible. His, purple, his personal Bible was that copy book exactly. He used it for bedtime reading, but he he in his writings he he said that Christ had advanced the most sophisticated. Uh, system of morality ever known to man, and Ben Franklin. Yes. Ben Franklin agreed. Yes. And Franklin, in his Thirteen Virtues, wrote uh, that, and there, um, it's a wonderful document, the Thirteen Virtues. Um, and he said, if if one wants to lead a life of substance and meaning and, and principle. All one needs to do is emulate Socrates and Jesus. Yes. <laughs> the whole the whole theme for the part three of my book, Love by the Light, um, was inspired by Ben Franklin and Tom Jefferson and what they what their original intention was in creating the Declaration of Independence and the US Constitution, because they intended to 
America to be a spiritual uh, beacon, a shining light on the hill that could uh, govern in accordance with the true teachings of Jesus, of Jesus, which has to do with loving one another and nothing more. So you're absolutely correct to say that um, religious, organized re religion and religious leaders going back millennia have uh, fashioned God uh, in their own way for their own purposes, particularly in the Old Testament. And Karen Armstrong, a former nun, wrote a great book about this called uh, A History of God. You know, the term God didn't even come about until the 6th century AD, and um, uh, nobody knows where it came from. It just sort of appeared first in the Germanic uh, literature. Um, so, but, you know, to, when you read the Old Testament, the God they describe there is curiously looking very much like uh, unevolved, unenlightened human beings. And um, yes, he's, you know, human, he's based and, in humanity. It's not based in what God actually is. God is nothing but love. Correct. And all, all religious-based gods are negative. They're all fear-based. Yes. That is what we we base ourselves on that fear based God. Most people have no idea because most people do not study the Gospels that Jesus actually came to abolish religions. It's right in the Gospels, but most people do not read the Gospels. Correct, correct, and they've created confusion because everybody has their own spin on God, their own spin on Jesus, and in fact, Wall Street Journal. Saturday, wrote a book review, published a book review on uh, the many Jesuses, and they talked about different belief systems and their different interpretations of Jesus. Well, you know, in many ways, the book I wrote, you know, Love by the Light, uh, it, wasn't, it was attempting to demystify God and Jesus, to liberate God and Jesus from, uh, well, let's just say, biblical references that don't do full justice to them, and also to demystify enlightenment. Enlightenment is nothing more than um, than putting love in your heart and being a purveyor of God's love and light to all things at all times as best you can. To me, love, you know, agape love is divine love. It's unconditional love, which is non-judgmental, non-discriminatory. It's given you know, without um, any expectation of reward or recognition or reciprocity. And it's, it's not a complicated thing to love, uh, to love all of creation as one loves oneself. What is love? It's caring, it's kindness, it's compassion, it's giving, um, it's sensitivity and empathy. It's treating others as you would like to be treated. Uh, the golden rule. So Jesus didn't just say this. He wasn't the only one to say this. This goes through all of history. It's ancient wisdom, going back to Lao Tse and Confucius and Buddha and Gandhi and Muhammad and many other great sages throughout time. Love is the answer. Love is the cure-all. And uh, we can best discover God and strengthen our connection with God by emulating God's main quality and the main quality of Jesus, which is to love all things as God loves us. So, you know, I say in the introduction to the book, I say, you know, I, I'm quoting Socrates, um, again, inspired by Ben Franklin. I said, uh, one of the, his famous quotes is, I know that I know nothing. And that's the God's honest truth. I know that I know nothing. But one thing I do know that I can hang my hat on is that you know, God is real, and and so too is the afterlife. And uh, this, you're right in saying, Roberta, that this is the challenge. Once we can, uh, you know, establish empirically uh, to the uh, satisfaction of most people that uh, God is real, the God of love, not the God of religion, and that eternity is real, life after death is real, I think we can absolutely achieve and co-create an ideal future for Earth and all its inhabitants. Um, I will say that, you know, my original title for this book was 
Affirming God, an Urgent Rescue Plan for Humanity. And Urgent is right. Yeah, I got got a lot of blowback about using God in the title um, because I was told friends in Europe and friends in America said, you know, a lot of people are turned off by the by the term God. And we'd get in these discussions about why why has God become uh, an unacceptable term? And it has to do with the damage organized religion has caused over the years, over the centuries, really. So I changed it to Love by the Light. Uh, I like the title, but I prefer Affirming God. In fact, that's the website. I stayed with it, uh, AffirmingGod.com, which is the the, the website for the book. Um, Because uh, I like to, I like, to cut to the chase and say, look, this is what it's all about. It's it's about making God real. And if you don't want to take my word for it, from all the experiences I've had, I, I cover the waterfront in my book. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, and you also you covered the water too, not just the water. Yeah, water too, yes. And you know, I, I um, as the as the cliche goes, if you believe, no amount of evidence is necessary. And if you don't believe, well, no amount of evidence will be sufficient. That is but, so true. But but the thing is, what, what you're doing is sort of really parallel to what we're doing. So, some people really need to know the truth about the afterlife in order to go anywhere. Because if you don't, if you're not certain you're going to survive death, you, you're, you're blocked because there is no eternity. So people have to know the truth. And so they're going to need seek reality. For other people, they can live with they, they can live with that uncertainty. Some people can't. So some people are going to need seekreality.com. Some people won't. They're they're going to be able to go with love by the light. Do you see what I'm saying? There are different paths to the same going forward from here today. And which which is why I think it's good that you're going in your direction. We're going in our direction, but we're offering these different alternatives to people. And, and I think that's extremely good and extremely useful. Absolutely. Um, Well, all roads lead to God, don't they? Um, Yes. Either during this lifetime or, or after we leave this lifetime, but they, we will, you know, we all come from the same source and we're all destined to return. But there has to be a way for people to get past the fear and the negativity of where we are right now. Because this, mainly, I blame science much more maybe than I should. But they are teaching people that nothing exists except matter. And it doesn't it, it doesn't matter, pardon the pun, that they can't tell us where matter came from. They can't tell us anything really about any they have no answers for anything and because they decided um you know a hundred years and more ago that they were going to call they, they they called it the fundamental scientific dogma um materialism is the fundamental dogma dogma of science they established that just over a hundred years ago because that's the case they will not study spiritually transformative experiences they won't study anything that is not based in matter and there has been no major scientific breakthrough since that day there is they cannot do anything except build toys that's all they can do fancy toys and fancier and fancier toys no doubt and and all they can come up with with is alternative explanations for reality which they cannot verify string theory they can't verify it. No theories can be verified because they will not allow people to do anything that is not materialist. And frankly, even matter is nothing but energy. Well, it is a, a paradigm, a belief system that has been challenged by the evidence coming out of the scientific study of spiritually transformative experiences. And I would say that it is a belief system which is starting to crumble. Um, but it's been starting to crumble for more than 100 years, and you and I both know that. I, you yeah. are much more sanguine than I am. I don't believe they're ever going to give it up because their their belief system is a religion as much as all the other religions are, every bit as much. 
Yes. But as I say, I think more and more scientists are starting to uh, broaden their horizons and um, embrace a, a spiritual interpretation of reality. But, you know, the, the materialist model, uh, it has done a lot of good in terms of technological advancements, but it's also done a lot of harm in that, um, well, you know, it's really what has spawned um, the notion that this lifetime is all there is and nothing more, and that when it's Based over... Based on that, yeah. John, and, but young physicists actually have told me that they that when when they start their careers to to become to become physicists when they start their graduate careers, they're told if you intend to study this whole field, don't bother because you'll never get a you'll never get a job. You'll never be allowed to study any of this field, the field you and I are in. Yeah. Well, yeah that that the whole materialist paradigm has given rise to every man for himself thinking. And, you know, get while the getting is good because they, they see this lifetime to be all there is. That's um, right. And it, it's a it's a it's a dogma. It's an yeah, it, it is. And it's uh, unfortunate because I think it's accounts for why we have the kind of world we have, which is a world that's largely egocentric. Yes. So people, <laughs> yes. Like, you, people like you and me, we embrace a spiritual interpretation of reality. And we believe that all is one, and therefore we subscribe to the uh, to the orientation of all for one and, and one for all. And um, but more to the point, we're we're open minded. I mean, if it turned out we were wrong, I'd accept that. Sure, me too. I, yeah. I just want to know what the truth is. Seek reality. That's that's what you and I both think is important. Yeah, well, well, you know the truth, and the truth is setting you free. And I can meet my death with equanimity. And actually, uh, you know, I look forward to it because I know it's going to be one yes. hell, of, one hell of a rocket ride. You know, you said earlier that it was important to help people overcome their fear of death, and a lot of people are afraid of death. The truth of the matter is, I think the vast majority of people on the planet say they believe in God, and they say they believe in life after death. I think it's something like beyond 80%, might be 85%, something like that. But they're still afraid um, of it because they but, it's still the unknown. They can't be sure of it. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a statement they make, but I think it's a statement that lacks substance because they don't know God experientially. They don't feel God. They don't have a personal relationship yeah. day yeah. to day. So it's more like, a, oh, yeah, I believe in God. Oh, yeah, I believe in life after death. But they don't really feel it at the level of core conviction, because if they did, there would be no fear and we wouldn't have the kind of world we have. So oh, absolutely. You know, so yeah. the term Sunday Christian kind of comes into play here. But the fact is, when you do have a personal relationship with God, and in the last part of my book, I talk about a formal exercise called God for a day. Yes. It goes back to the, um, to the recommendation by Ben Franklin that we should emulate Jesus that we should try to be in our daily lives to the extent we can purveyors of divine love and, and, um, and light. And um, that we should try to love all things as God loves us. And that by emulating God in that way, uh, God's chief characteristic, which is love, that is how we deepen our communion with God and our connection with God. That's where God becomes real. So I, I recommend this exercise called God for a Day, and I give a lot of ideas about how to prepare for it and how to do it. But I also say, look, if, if you're not convinced by the stories I share or by the stories others have shared, um, and if you're not transformed by the God for a Day exercise, well, then here are a couple of dozen other techniques you can try uh, to have your own experiential connection with spirit, with God. And what I implore people to begin thinking about is how important a connection with God is, especially as we're entering times of great uh, challenge and turbulence on the planet. Um, we need to be strong in our spiritual centers. But how can we be if we don't have a spiritual center? So I'm trying to, in this book at the very end in part three, 
um, uh, explain to uh, you know explain to people who are not yet part of the choir because I'm really not preaching to the choir in this book as much as I am to the folks who've yet to join the choir. Um, saying, look, you know, this is important. Pay attention to it because you can put it off and deny it and look the other way, but you will, the, the time will come when you will be on your deathbed. And this is what it's like for those who don't have their spiritual house in order. They go into this identity, identity crisis of the first order. They go through what I call a, an extreme mental meltdown because they don't know who they are anymore. You know, it's an identity crisis of the first order. So, so, you know, do yourself a favor and get your spiritual house in order. And here are all the ways in which you can do it. Find one that works for you. And uh, by all means, uh, attend to it as you would attend to your, to the health of your, of your body. Um, if you, if you caught a bad uh, a viral or bacterial infection, you wouldn't let it go untreated. You, you do what you could to uh, find a cure. Well, the same is true for the, your spiritual health. Um, and if we don't have that, then we need to uh, get our house in order. And, and I, part three of the book, I go into all kinds of ways in which people can make that happen. I thought it was great. I thought the, the way you summed it up was very practical and wonderful advice. And we've come to the end of our time. I'm so sorry, but we will have you back to talk more about this. I think we have a lot more to talk about. Sure. John's websites are affirminggod.com and attorney.org. And we will have them in the notes so you won't have to run off the road trying to write them down. Oh, John, this has been wonderful. Please consider yourself hugged, my dear. Oh, Roberta, thank you and bless you for having me on. And by the way, you know, I, I haven't fallen asleep at the wheel in many, many years now, so I'm good to go. <laughs> I'm teasing you about that. That was are you, those words were beyond belief. Yeah, I almost titled the book Asleep at the Wheel, and I said, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> yeah. though, that you know, it might sell more copies. No, yeah, I don't know. Hey, are you still in touch with Victor Zamet? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Yeah, are you still in touch with Victor Zamet? Of course. Yeah, I'd love to be introduced to him. I know about his work over the years, but I've never met him. Could you do an introduction? Let's see what we can make happen. Okay. Great. This is this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so happy you could be with us today. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never begin and you never will end. And when you really get all the implications of that fact, it's going to change everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guests will be Carol and Mikey Morgan, who will be with us for the 20th time. Mikey is a great favorite with our all our listeners. And for those who don't know who he is, Mikey, this is a great story. He's a sixth level being who last lived on Earth in the 1600s. And he got so concerned about the way things are going all to heck on Earth that he took a voluntary lifetime to begin in 1987 and ended in an auto accident. Well, he, he doesn't know John, but he could in 2007. So he'd be able to communicate with us through his mother, Carol, and answer our questions about the afterlife in the voice and mannerisms of a modern 20-year-old. I have tested him exhaustively. There's no question in my mind that Mikey is precisely who he claims to be. I have spent 50 years researching the afterlife, and he knows more about it than I do. He's the only person I still have things to learn from. And he's people email questions to me, and Mikey answers them on air, and I have never heard him make a mistake. So please listen next week. You're going to hear some wonderful stuff from this 20-year-old kid who actually is a sixth-level being, almost at the level of the Godhead. And so we are in for a real treat next week. Sometimes he surprises me, but always to the upside. And this week, we've been hearing from John Aradat, who has been with us for the third time, although it's been 10 years since the second time. His two previous episodes, as I say, were in our very first year, and he and I have not talked in the meantime, but frankly, he has matured beautifully since then. He's written a very beautiful and thoughtful book, a wide-ranging autobiography in which he explores some things that I'm actually, I'm experiencing the same kinds of things as our lives 
you know, go on. We, and the veil is thinning. We become more and more spiritual beings, having more and more profound spiritual experiences. And as you know, the result in my case has been this amazing experience of coming to actually personally know the risen Jesus Christ, literally in person. In John's case, it's this new book just out entitled Love by the Light, in which he talks about a feeling called to quite literally help to transform the world. And I'm being asked by Jesus personally to do some things for him that I never dreamed I'd be asked to do. And I recommend his book. I think especially if you're trying to come to grips with really what's going on and and where am I going? I think John might be someone who can help you answer those questions. And, And now, of course, it's time once again to mention that Seek Reality Online is your one stop resource for all things death and the afterlife. Just go to seekreality.com and start to learn for yourself that your own reality really is eternal. And now comes the result of what Jesus has asked me to do. Teachingsbyjesus.com is your single source for all the beautiful divine truths that are brought to us in perfect love by the greatest teacher who ever lived, Master Jesus, the eternally risen Christ. Now it really is Jesus's turn, isn't it? As Christianity as a religion dies, at last the genuine teachings of Jesus can finally come alive, all by themselves, without Paul involved, without the Old Testament involved. Unadulterated, pure Jesus, nothing but Jesus. Teachingsbyjesus.com is the Lord's own entirely religion-free website made by him, for him, in perfect love for you. Also, as I'm sure you know by now, my own nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and finally, The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. For young children, there's the fun of meeting Jesus. You can order all these books through bookstores on Amazon.com, on BarnesandNoble.com, and all the adult books except the last one are also available as audiobooks. If you want to talk about anything at all, just go to the contact block on robertagrimes.com and I answer every email. If you give me your right address, sometimes people just get the address wrong and then my emails bounce and it always makes me sad. So don't do that. And meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy. Please make the most of this coming week in our one reality always knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you, in particular, in this entire universe, you, most of all, are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything. 